Andrew, it is June the 14th, 2017. What are you into this week? Well, I'm in that situation where I have a bunch of stuff I'm really into and no time to really do any of it. But you'll see why I had no time to do those things very quickly. The first thing I'm into is Witcher 3, which I finally Good. bought and on sale. And uh, it's I just really, it's awesome. It's really cool. I just want to play it. I want to investigate monsters and kill them. And it's kind of like, you know, I don't know. It's kind of supernatural. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but <laughs> uh, it's it's quite good, though. I really enjoy the – I'm getting better at the combat. And I just wish I had, like, 12 hours to sit down and really dig into it. It's like playing that game for, like, 20-minute spurts is not really, like, my immersion, man. I mean, playing that game for in 12-hour spurts is really – not going to get you there either so uh, <laughs> you're in for a long long ride a good ride but a long long ride well it's nice to have a, a plethora of options i you know sometimes i only have like one game and when i don't feel like playing it i'm like eh, what do i do now uh probably just read or watch something but <laughs> so yeah weren't you just 30 seconds ago complaining about how you don't have time to do all the things you want to do yeah so i pick a huge rpg and then i also pick finally did it finally installed and booted up EVE Online. <laughs> and EVE Online is the, uh, f- for uh, for non-game nerds out there, EVE Online is the s- outer space uh, spreadsheet Russian lo- money laundering scam, right? Uh, yes. Uh, although it is, f- the, the thing that finally attracted me to it was that it is free to play. It's been free to play for about uh, six months or maybe a little longer. It still has a subscription level. Just certain things you can't do on the free to play account. But the cool thing about Eve is that you can use the in-game currency to pay for your subscription if you get to a certain point. So a lot of people don't actually pay for the subscription. They use the money mm-hmm. they get from the game to pay for their s- subscription. Uh, and I've only played it once because I'm a little afraid if I really I might I might, you know, have to cancel the podcast and cancel work, my wedding, <laughs> uh, the house, everything. But uh, it seems pretty cool. It's a little more I mean, it's about what I expected. It's a little bit of a learning curve, and I'm taking it a little bit slow. I'm just going to pick it here and there since it's free. There's no pressure. Uh, but it seems cool. So this is what I'm playing. What I'm reading, I'm reading Xenocide, which is getting interesting. Uh, kind of just at this point. I'm not not liking it. I'm just sort of like, I am kind of want to go on and read something else. But I'm like two books away from pretty much being done with the Enderverse. I'm like, kind of like you said before, like if I stop, I'm just never going to go back. So I might as well just finish it for academic reasons and then be able to move on to something else. And I'm watching your favorite show. Our, obviously the new season of orange and new black is on and I'm pretty solidly put that in the fantasy category. Uh, <laughs> but I, I do enjoy the show. Uh, and yeah, the, tr- the kind of cliffhanger ending from last season made me want to jump back in pretty quickly. So uh, Shay and I are, are digging into that. Yeah, I've watched, Karen's watched the whole season. I've kind of been in and out on everything but the last episode. And I mean, I'm half watching it. So I'm like watching it out of one eye and one ear. But uh, I think it's better than the last season. But uh, I have a lot of complaints. But if you enjoy it, I won't stand in your way. Yeah, I mean, it's this weird sort of like, I think it brings you know, attention to some things we should be talking about more, maybe not always in the best way. And maybe the portrayals aren't always perfect. Uh, but I think it still gets people talking. And I also think that, I mean, my biggest complaint is like, it's starting to run into that problem where, you know, some shows, I think of like a Breaking Bad where like Breaking Bad was, 
I would never call it lighthearted, but the first season or two, it's like, you know, it's kind of funny. Like, it's like crazy yeah. stuff's happening, but then it, it's like kind of goofy. And like, you know, the situation's like, oh, yeah, we got to dissolve this guy's body. And then it falls to the floor. Like, what a funny gag, right? But with that hint of darkness the whole time. And I sort of always felt that Orange Black had a similar tone, but at some point it would have to shift into just being like Breaking Bad, just like a more serious drama. And it just yeah. hasn't taken that shift. And like, especially in this very, like the prison riot and like taking over and everyone's kind of just like dicking around. And I'm like, this is a big deal. Like, I don't know. It doesn't seem to make any sense. Yeah. That was, that was one of my complaints was that how quickly what is literally a prison riot that starts with maybe a murder, um, how quickly it becomes like goofy fun time sleepover. Yeah. It, that seemed a little strange. And also some of the characters are just getting to be really cartoonish. Like the two kind of, um, Country bumpkin meth heads. Yeah. Though like they're becoming almost cartoons now. And um and also there are scenes with, you know, the skinhead contingent where it seems like they have to verbally remind the audience that they're skinheads at many points. Mm-hmm. Except um one of those points is not when they're negotiating the sale of a slave to the black inmates. That weirdness doesn't come up at all in that conversation. But the skinhead girls make a point to point out that um and I'm paraphrasing here. They don't. They don't lend money because they're not Jews. They make. They make that point to uh. remind everyone that they're skinheads. But the weird racial tension of the white girls selling a slave to the black girls is not mentioned. So that was a little weird. And I do agree with you that I think the kind of the social conscience of the show is absolutely in the right place. And talking about some of these issues, you know, the way we treat our prisoners. Um, both at kind of the macro level of are, is, is prison even morally right to begin with? And then the micro level of these places can be hell holes, especially when they're operated for profit. That's very, very good and very important to bring up. However, I think it's, just, I don't know. It seems like that, you know, especially framing that up in the prison riot where essentially they go through their list of demands which is like let's just make a bulleted list of all the ways that prisons are bad and just essentially read them off verbatim to the audience like it just seems a little bit like well you maybe feel like feel like we already knew what was wrong but you really needed to drive the point home by giving us a list in the form of this list of demands but um it's held my attention for the most part i i do think that even when some of the lines are super duper clunky uh, a lot of the um the actors and actresses in that show, uh, they really do a great job. Definitely. Uh, shall we move on to some news? Let's talk about news. Um, so the, I think the big thing in, you know, kind of the um, the culture this week was E3, which used to be a video game trade show, and now it's just kind of a thing where you can watch trailers on a movie screen, I guess. Um, but there are a couple... Uh, you know, kind of trailers and stuff that uh, came out that I think are pretty interesting. The first one um, is the what they're calling the gameplay trailer, but I, well, and truthfully, a lot of these gameplay trailers that I that I've seen so far from this show, I've had a lot of "fuck you, that's not real" moments, which is kind of exciting because I those things are pretty real. Like things are getting good. Um, and the Spider-Man gameplay trailer was a big "fuck you, that's not real" moment for me. It looks incredible in motion and um 
it seems like they're capturing in in the gameplay a lot of what we've been seeing Spider-Man do in the movies lately, which is a lot of these more acrobatic things where he's kind of like, you know, he's he's kind of flying through the air and then he like torpedoes his body so that he can slip through the windows of like a falling uh, monorail train or something. And like, it seems like you're going to be able to do that stuff in the game. And the city like looks so good and and realistic and you know the crowd shots don't look like the same four uh npc bots just kind of copy pasted it looks fantastic but the thing that i think is super interesting and they this just uh, came out in an interview with one of the developers today is that the game is designed that you as, as playing a spider-man can't kill anyone um so even like if you're fighting the, the example they gave is like say you're fighting a bunch of goons on top of a rooftop as Spider-Man is wont to do and you kick one and he's going to fall over the edge. Like this is an open world action game. So you can basically do whatever you want. Um, but then Spider-Man will basically like hit him with a web and pull him back onto the roof before he has the time to fall and hit the ground. So that it's, it's interesting that the game engine is now adapting to your play style to kind of make you act more like the real Spider-Man. Now I know, again, this is an open world game. So literally, I mean, within 30 minutes of this game, uh, you know, hitting, you know, hitting the street, there will be a video on YouTube of somebody figuring out how to get guys off of rooftops. Like it's gonna, I mean, like it's gonna happen. Um, but I just think it's really fascinating that because I think we've talked before about when you're playing kind of a narrative game, and there's this weird tension between like what I would do versus what the character would do. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they're making it this sort of like, oh, no, Spider-Man doesn't kill dudes, so you can't do it. You can try, but the Spider-Man in the game will prevent it from happening. It's really neat. Yeah, I mean, I I saw – I think there's an example of that in the trailer. I I thought it was just like something he did, but I think it was that mechanic in action. And I I agree. I thought this trailer was awesome. And I was – when Marvel said they're kind of reevaluating how to make their games, I was just like, all you have to do, all you have to do is take – the Arkham games and reskin them for all your characters. That's <laughs> all you have to do. And that's what this looks like. I mean, if you, if you bring, I mean, it's different because it's different style, but like the combat looks like you're playing Arkham, but just the style and like, you know, obviously all the colors and everything are way different. But uh, I think if they can just, I know they want to make like a video game universe, I guess, like similar to their movie mm-hmm. universe where like the games are sort of connected mm-hmm. and there's a bigger story or whatever. So if they can do that, I think Marvel will take over another medium because if even the games are, you know, 75% as good as the Arkham games mechanically and it's, and the same thing as like 75% as good as just like telling the story and the lore and all the Easter eggs and all that kind of stuff, like they will sell a lot and they will do well and I will play them. Well, I won't because yeah, I'm a PS4, I- but I will watch, <laughs> be, I will be sad. You can come over and watch me yeah. play it. Um, uh, yeah, I think you're right that they seem to be taking some of the right clues from the Arkham series, the Batman Arkham games. Uh, and I think one of the things that those games did well, and I think we've talked about this in a previous episode too, is that they decided that they, that these games are self-contained, like they have their own version of the Bat universe with its own history, its own future, its own version of all the villains. And they're not worrying about tying it into anything. It's just like, no, this is our version of Batman. Um, even though they use Kevin Conroy uh, and Mark Hamill as Batman and the Joker, the best Batman and the best Joker. Yeah. Well, and I and I think that like you can tell like you know he's got, he's got a different suit. It's not a movie adaptation, which is like key and crucial because that's that's what most Marvel comic movie or games have been for a long time has been. 
either a, a very tight or even a semi-loose movie adaptation. You know, Spider-Man games, PlayStation, all that kind of stuff were oftentimes those sort of things where, and those are just like hack jobs for the most part. I mean, has there, mm-hmm. there's very few good movie adaptation video games out there um, that are trying to follow the plot of the movie and then throw a bunch of extra stuff in to, to fill out a game. So I, I'm really excited. I mean, I, I guess I should say with the, with the exception of the, uh, what was those games? The games that are like the top down beat em up games, the Marvel ones. Uh, I can't believe I'm like, oh, name. yeah, the uh, Marvel Marvel Legends. No, that was that X-Men right? Legends was like the, the kind of series that pre- precluded that. And there was um, Avengers. I know. U- the ones U- you're U- talking U- about. Ultimate Alliance. Ultimate Alliance. Yes. 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 Ultimate Those games are a blast. Uh, yeah. But because they're basically gauntlet. But you're, yeah. <laughs> you're Captain America. Yeah. Um, yeah no, I, I'm this looks really, really good. Um Speaking of video game adaptations, have you seen the new trailer for Shadow of War? Yeah, I just, the I sequel just watched to Shadow it. of Mortar. Holy crap! I love how much they're just saying "fuck you" to any kind of like continuity with the rest of the Lord of the Rings cinematic, or even just the books. They're like, "Nope, we're just doing our own thing," which I think, which I love. We've talked about so many times that like. You know, just play fast, go fight, fork off the cannon into some new direction. Like, let's explore whatever. It's fine. But just to list some of the things you do that are in a game that supposedly takes place between The Hobbit and The Fellowship of the Ring. Um, you make the big one. You forge a new ring of power. Like another ring like <laughs> like a, a a like a good guy version of Sauron's ring which is absolute insanity within just the general fiction of Lord of the Rings like that's the one ring they call it the <laughs> one ring like that's the name of the damn thing the one ring and they're like no 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 now there's two <laughs> uh, two and this other one somehow i guess is going to disappear between now and then and everybody's going to forget all about it and never mention it in fellowship of the ring uh so there's that there's also it seems like the main kind of gameplay and story element is you recruiting an army of orcs to take back mordor from sauron which is also entirely insane. Like there's a group of orcs who are like, yeah, we don't agree with the way that Mordor is being run. <laughs> Maybe let's take it over with the help of this weird human who's possessed by the ghost of a long dead elf. Um, it, it appears that you fight a literal, you fight a Balrog in the game. That looks like a boss battle. Uh, even though Gandalf killed the last Balrog in, um, uh, you know, fellow, well, kind of between fellowship and two towers. Ed failed to mention like, oh no, there was another one like five years ago, but now this is the last one. <laughs> um, and I think in terms of really breaking with Lord of the Rings tradition, we see what appears to be a strong and competent female fighter who's not Eowyn and also a black guy. What? No. Yeah. There's a black guy in the trailer who looks like he's on your side. Whoa. And not just a, a generic looking, you know, like swarthy savage like i think the only um dark-skinned people of any sort were in the original um lord of the rings films so i'm telling you i am psyched about this stupid game it it looks really good and once again you know i just i must i must be attracted to that style of action gameplay uh because it you know once again was supposed to be a batman game before and just that style of 
I don't know. It's just fun and it's it's that engaging. Kind of uh kind of rhythmic. Um yeah, the combat's almost like a rhythm game. Yeah. Like it's just you just kind of keep the combo going and press the red button when it wants you to. But man, this thing looks like it just looks like super high production value fanfic. <laughs> and because they're just like, no, wouldn't it be awesome if you like got to ride around on like a you know Nazgul's fell beast flying steed? To kill Balrogs? Like, wouldn't that be awesome? And they're like, yes, that would be awesome. Make it happen. So I, I am psyched about that one. That looks so dumb and good. <laughs> I'm, I'm eager for that, too. Uh, speaking of games uh, that are sort of action-adventure-y, there's a new God of War, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was skeptical about this when they put the first trailer out a while ago. I, it really looked like they were just kind of borrowing the vibe of The Last of Us, but putting Kratos in, <laughs> uh, which just seemed kind of derivative and it kind of like, how do we make God of War relevant now? Because I mean, God of War was great, but it also is very much a product of its time. Like, if you go back and look at those old games, like Kratos is so like over the top, like kind of mid 2000s, like extreme. <laughs> uh, it's just so like, it's, it's kind of gross. You're like, how do you make it relevant? And it's like, give him a beard and a kid. That's, so really, do nowadays. Yeah. So it just seems really kind of derivative and, and just kind of you know, sloppy or lazy. But the new, I mean, the trailer, it looks better. It looks a little bit better. Um, they're actually showing some gameplay. And I was a little worried from the first trailer that the gameplay wasn't going to be the kind of traditional God of War, um, uh, you know, character action combo based uh, over the top <laughs> violence and weird weapons kind of thing. Um but it looks like it looks a lot closer to that, which is good because those games were a blast to play. Um, I think it's awesome that like your main weapon is kind of a magical axe. It looks like, and um, like when you switch to it from another weapon, he just like raises his hand and it flies in from off screen. Like it's just like a really slick, like cool, like where was it? Where was that magic axe? I hanging out. Um, I'm a little bit worried. It looks like uh, so clearly you're a single dad. And it seems like from some of the story beats that there is that they, uh, well, you know what I say when the, you know, there is some fridging that went on mm-hmm. that we're kind of using the death of a woman as a motivator for a man to go on a quest. I don't know, which feels a little, come on, we, we know better now. We've done that a couple times. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I don't know anything about these games, so you're going to have to keep going, Greg. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, Shadow of the Colossus, which uh, many people hold up. Well, ba- basically, whenever there is a our video games art debate, the first thing that the people in the defense camp of video games can be art, they hold up Shadow of Col- Shadow of the Colossus, which was a PS2 game that, like, I still think about. Like, just not thinking about like on like making a mental list of good games, but just like remembering the way that that game made me feel and the things it makes you think about and. It's been and well regarded as a as an absolute classic of video games. Period. Um, and on the PS3, it got a remaster, which you know there you go and you clean up the clean up some of the textures. You you know fix some lighting. Um, basically, you just kind of update the game for a new console. But uh, they announced uh, at E3 that they are fully remaking the game for PS4. So from the ground up, all new technology revising the control scheme, doing some things. And I just think that's, that's great because I've really been thirsty to, to play through that game again. And I think this is one of those games that like, honestly, people should play like, and uh, games, unlike movies, 
console games, I should say, and even PC games to a certain extent. Uh, the period's kind of longer between when a console game just kind of, or a PC game kind of just becomes unplayable in the modern world, like some old DOS game that you just won't run on Windows 10. Um, but usually there's people working on workarounds for that. But like if it's a PS2 game and you've got a PS4, like you just can't play it. And I think this is a, you know, one of those important games that, you know, I feel like every every console generation people sh- should have access to Shadow mm. of the Colossus because it's just such an important work, uh, not only in the history of video games, but it's just an excellent, excellent experience to have. Um, so I, I'm I'm very excited about that. What do you think the logic is behind making like remaking it as opposed to making a sequel or something along those lines? Well, so this studio, um, Team Ico, first game they made was Ico, then Shadow of the Colossus, and then they finally, just very recently, released the third game, which is which was The Last Guardian, which wasn't as well received. It was in development hell for a very, very long time. Is that the one with the giant uh, dog? Dog bird yeah. cat thing. Oh my gosh. Um, I watched a video of someone playing that and just that game looked incredibly frustrating. Yeah. Um so those guys, they're they don't really do sequels. Mm-hmm. They kind of like all but all three of those games like clearly have a lot of the same DNA and are kind of you know, kind of about the same thing in a way. Yeah. So I think for them and and I think that, you know, the thing about Shadow of the Colossus is like when that game is done, like it you it has said all it wanted to say. Like it is a mm-hmm. you don't you're not left like, let's do that again. You're like, oh no, I I see the story that this was trying to tell. I might want to play it again just to go through it again, but like there's nothing more to say here. Um and I mean, so <laughs> there have been some people suggesting that one of the reasons for this is that uh they're going to, you know, try to remake some of the money they lost on Last Guardian by kind of going with a sure thing here. Yeah. But, um, but again, I think this is one of those things where, like, there are certain movies that just everyone should see at some point in their life, and Shadow of the Colossus is one of those games that everyone should play at some point in their life. Cool. Uh, and do you think that a game about killing renegade right-wing Americans is going to be that game as well? Oof. So you're talking about Far Cry 5 mm-hmm. on the day after a... Uh, politically motivated homegrown American terrorist tried to murder some Republican congressmen as they were um, practicing for a charity baseball game. Uh, so Far Cry 5, uh, well, the Far Cry series uh, of late has been about, it's a first-person open-world uh, shooter kind of stealthy uh, game where you're in an exotic location and, you know, you're just like slowly making your way through the map, taking over bases that are held by... Um, you know, various drug lords or mercenaries. Uh, so Far Cry 3 was set on a tropical island. Far Cry 4 was set um, in a fictional Himalayan town. And Far Cry 5 will be set in a fictional um, Montana county that is being essentially been taken over by a right-wing religious cult. And this has naturally stirred up some controversy because... This is a game that's asking you to kill other Americans, for one, which weirdly does feel a little different than when you're killing uh, foreigners, which I have to say, the fact that that feels weird um, makes me uncomfortable. Like, it shouldn't feel weird. Uh, What does that say about me that all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I don't know, even though there's plenty of, you know, video of these bad guys, like being bad guys, there's not a lot of moral 
gray area here mm-hmm. about I mean like these guys are you know they're they're murdering townsfolk and pressing them into service of this doomsday cult. They're clearly bad guys, but the fact that they are Americans and you know clearly right wing Americans, you know they they're you know um, their slogan is like you know faith freedom and firearms or something like that. Oh great. Uh, <laughs> Um, and they look, you know, the, on the cover of the game, like, and that's been the tradition that the, the, the kind of the cover, the box art of the game always features the villain. And it just looks like the, the cast of Duck Dynasty, but <laughs> slightly better dressed. Like, this is not, you know, and it's set in present day. And, and so that's a little weird to me. Um, I mean, the game itself looks really good. I mean, I've really enjoyed the Far Cry games. Like, they're a lot of fun to play. And... um at least the first game, the second game to a certain extent, like they play with a little bit of that and it's kind of becoming old hat now, but um, the first the Far Cry 3, the first game in the kind of modern Far Cry series, like you start out as just kind of like every man, like American college guy, like on vacation in a foreign land. And then, you know, you're thrust into this thing and you become this killing machine. And that's kind of the thing. You get to the end and the characters are saying to you like, this is who you are. This is what you wanted. You wanted to become this killing machine. You had all these opportunities to not do this, but you did it. And it kind of, it's that thing of like make, asking you the question as, as the gamer in control, like, Hey, what's your motivation here, pal? Um, Isn't there like a thing? Like if you, if you don't, there's like a right beginning of the game, there's this opportunity where you get to like kill some guy. <laughs> and if you don't take it, the game's just over. And you, it's like, so that's far cry four. Okay. Far cry four. And, so that game opens with you get kind of um, abducted by this really crazy warlord, Pagan Min, who's the kind of the warlord in control of this little mountain region. And he's like, you know, come in, come in. We have so much to talk about. You know, I have to tell you all about why I abducted you and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, he sits you down at a table and he's like, you know, have a seat. Enjoy the crab rangoon. Um, I'll be right back. And then you hear him and he leaves and then you hear him like in the next room, like clearly torturing someone or something. And, you know, then, you know, all of a sudden you get control back and it's like escape. But if you don't, if you sit there and just wait at the dinner table, like he asked you to, like 20 minutes later, he comes back and he's like, oh, okay, let's go out back and and talk. And that takes you to essentially the ending of the game which is where he reveals the big twist and then you have one final choice you can make and then essentially roll credits. But basically if you just like follow the bad guy's instructions, it was like, be cool. I'll be back. You can skip the entire fucking game, <laughs> which is just, I, mean, I love, I love, I love the way these guys think and the way they design their games. Um, I'm very interested to see how far cry five turns out. I'm going to play it because um, I, I genuinely genuinely think these are some well-made games. And yeah, like, uh, you know, to be super honest, which I think we all should be on subjects like this, like indulging the fantasy of like, you know, being some kind of righteous warrior against um, politics I disagree with gone, gone awry. This is not, I'm not implying that people who, you know, vote for the guy with the R next to his name are religious nut job wackos who deserve to be murdered. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that, you know, you know, there is some, you know, exaggerated perverted version of that. That is the villain in some of my fantasies and boy, wouldn't it be interesting to explore that a little bit. Um, 
And I think, honestly, if you're buying this game, you are acknowledging that part of yourself, <laughs> which I think is also an interesting challenge that the uh, the makers are putting our way. But yeah, today is a very weird day to be yeah. talking about uh, Far Cry 5. Definitely. Uh, that sounds interesting. I've, I've always, it's always one of those things where like, oh, maybe we should try those at some point. And then it's like, well, the next one comes out and it's like, well, then I'm behind. And then I'm just, you know, I know they're like, they're, they're like, yeah, they're, they're not in totally the order or anything, but oh, I heard Far, Far Cry Primal was garbage. Yeah. So the first two Far, well, no, Far Cry one was a weird, vaguely sci-fi, uh, starts out like a kind of traditional shooter. You're stranded on this Island and then it gets all sci-fi. You start to get like island of dr moreau powers and it gets weird uh far cry 2 was just um set in central africa and actually it did a lot of really interesting things gameplay wise um you're just a guy like just you've got malaria and so you have to constantly get malaria shots which is uh, an interesting mechanic but kind of a bummer to play um and you just kind of get embroiled between these like kind of competing factions and um it was. It had some really, you know, neat ideas and interesting things, but also had some big problems. And then Far Cry Three is really where the the formula kind of got established. And uh, I, I three and four are really game, definitely games worth playing. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, let's move on from video games to our, our favorite topic: comic book movies. At least it <laughs> okay. seems to be our favorite topic because we talk about it every week. Uh, they've confirmed that the Spider-Man Homecoming, you know, the Sony picture that's being jointly kind of managed by Marvel and Sony is going to be the start of a trilogy. Uh, I sometimes wonder, I wonder if they're going to go for like the, the theme, like homecoming something and prom. I don't know. Something like, like prom and graduation. I don't know. <laughs> homecoming prom graduation. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, but let me, let me just say again. <sighs> Venom is not going to be tied to these movies or the MCU in any way. All right, so so wait, let's back up because because the quotes I was reading didn't fully say that Venom was unconnected to Spider Man. Mm. I got the vibe that it's Venom just is not connected to the larger Marvel Cinematic Universe. So if so, you've kind of got these two two universes that are separated: the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Sony's Marvel Universe, which I think is what they're calling themselves. Um, and your Tom Holland Spider Man is kind of the bridge between them. That's the only shared property. And Iron Man, I guess, but like it's just those movies that are the same. They're the center of the Venn diagram, and then everything else, Venom, Silver Sable, Black Cat, they're kind of off on their own. That's the vibe I got, but he also didn't explicitly say that Venom is linked to the Tom Holland Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. But again, how do you not do it? How do you not do it? I if that's the case, that's even more asinine than the initial having them be completely separate. Because that just doesn't make any sense. Like it's just gonna be you're going to confuse the hell out of people who aren't comic book, like not even comic book nerds, which is like people who pay attention to studios and things like that. I mean, like a lot of people I talk to are just like, Oh, I don't know that, that you know, when that De- when's Deadpool showing up in Avengers. And it's like, nah, man, it's not, it's not going to happen. And just like, I try to explain it. It's like, that's not worth it. But yeah. like, I just feel like, uh, I just, I'm so, I'm just grumpy about this, Greg. I just hate it. I don't like yeah, it. I, I, I'm, I'm, I just want to see how they play this thing out. I'm, I'm not convinced. I'm also, I feel like the word trilogy gets thrown around a lot these days. <laughs> like when I think when they're calling it a trilogy, but really does it just mean you signed this kid on to play Spider-Man in three movies? Yeah. Because to me, like a trilogy is the Lord of the Rings trilogy where it's like, this is part one. This is part two. This is part three of one long story as opposed to, well, you know, they're kind of 
they, they take place after each other and they're kind of related, but you know, I feel like if you can pull out the second part and watch it on its own and really like, and be fine, like it's not really part of a trilogy, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's just, I, I think that's just a word they're using now to be like, you have to see all three. You have to see all three. You can't just see one. No, I think you're probably right in that. Cause if you look at like the Marvel quote unquote trilogies, doesn't really seem like, I mean, there's some beats you'd miss, but does, does the Iron Man trilogy really tell a single story? Not really. No. Uh, even less so for the other ones and Avengers as well. I guess it's going to be four movies, but regardless, you know, I guess the last two will probably tell one cohesive story from the sounds yeah, of it. Yeah. But besides that, I just, uh, no, I, I don't know. I mean, I'll just, I don't understand. I'm sure there's something to go going on behind the scenes with the rights and whatever that just made this made this idea of continuing this relationship that they did with Spider-Man uh, not, you know, not uh, ideal for Sony for some reason. I don't know. I just, I wonder, and like, okay, so they do this three-movie deal. Like, what happens after that? Like, are they going to then yank Spider-Man out of the MCU? I mean, who knows what that's going to be. We're going to be, you know, 10 years from now probably. But I just wonder what that's going to, what that's going to be like. Yeah. Uh I guess we'll have to wait and see. I mean, Spider-Man Homecoming looks like a really like a, a, a good movie. So yeah. I think that the movies are going to be good. I, I who knows how they're going to all connect. I oh, speaking of Any- uh, uh, Marvel stuff, Black Panther trailer. Yeah, what'd you think? Looks good. Looks like a good movie. Yeah, I I really liked it. It, it was. It's like di- it's it's a kind of a weird trailer. I don't know why it's weird to me. It just felt like a very different style or something. It just like felt off to me, but in a good way. Yeah. It felt like that kind of, so there's a, there's a kind of trailer that just kind of shows you, you know, a barrage of images to kind of give you a feeling, Mm -hmm. which is probably a fine way to go. But this was like a barrage of unconnected action shots. Yeah. Which I thought was a little bit weird. I think maybe it was trying to go for the vibe of that one really good uh, Kong trailer where like they just synced up all these action beats to the song like super you know super tight and super good i think maybe it was going for a little bit of that vibe but it didn't quite mm. pull it off yeah, i could see that I, i'm genuinely looking forward to the movie i think it it's um and again this is one of those things where it's like you notice that like oh man this is all black people yeah like and you notice it uh, when you see it and it really just underscores, man, wow, uh, these superhero movies have been super white. For sure. Um, and the cast is just so good. I mean, the people they have in it are awesome. And I'm excited just to see, uh, you know, a lot of African-American actors that I've seen, you know, as side characters in a lot of other movies be the main characters, which is just, I just think it's it's going to be awesome. And like, I, I've said this before, but... Uh, Black Panther is probably my favorite part of Civil War, to be honest. I thought yeah. they just nailed everything about that character, and I hope that they can. And the fact that we don't need an origin story, I mean, I'm sure we'll get some a little bit of backstory into what the Black Panther is and stuff, which is fine. But you know, Wakanda looked really cool. I mean, the fact that it, like I didn't quite realize that there. So for those unfamiliar, Wakanda is this small, secluded African nation. It's, it's fictional that you know uh, Black Panther is the king of. Um, for some reason in the comics, you know, he comes to America. I don't know why, uh, but <laughs> cause it's, you know, it's happened in the seventies, who knows, but, um, you know, but then a, a large part of his comic stuff more recently is, is about him being king of Wakanda. And maybe he wasn't king at that point. Maybe he was still the prince. I don't know. But their kind of thing is that 
they're super technologically advanced, mostly because they have access to um, vibranium, which is this, you know, mythical metal, which is what they make Captain America's shield out of and what Black Panther's whole everything is made out of. Uh, and I thought that that was sort of like an established thing in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like they knew that this place was like a secluded technological advanced place, but apparently not. Apparently it's they had this because based on that dialogue between Bilbo and Darth Maul. Um, <laughs> that wasn't Darth Maul. Yeah, it was. No, that's Gollum. Oh, sorry. I'm thinking Ray, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I got to get Ray Park. Any uh, Gollum. Uh, that that scene, which is funny. Uh, and pretty soon we're going to have them and Doctor Strange in the same room, I'm sure. Uh, which is very yeah. confusing. Um, you mean like when they were in the same room in, well, kind of, in The Hobbit? Yeah. That's and what he I mean. was Bilbo and, and the guy was smog. Like, the guys can't escape each other. Yeah, and see all three of them in the same area again. It's just funny. But the, he was talking about how Martin Freeman's character, who I don't know, he's some nameless CIA agent, doesn't know that like Wakanda is this advanced nation. And that's gonna be, that's news to me, and that's interesting. It's a different... I, I assume it's going to come out that they are, because especially because it seems like Infinity War, from where they're... I mean, they're filming a large chunk of this movie in Wakanda from the sounds of it. So hmm. I'm excited. I think, and we have one more bit of Marvel-related news on the movie we're all just real psyched about, the next X-Men movie, Dark Phoenix. Yeah. Are you excited for this? You're like an... You're how like could, a, no, I'm just kidding. How could I be? But man, you're getting Empress Lalandra, right? <laughs> yeah. Who didn't want that? <laughs> uh, yeah. So the Dark Phoenix movie is... They, they've announced today. It's like definitely moving ahead. Simon Kinberg, who basically wrote the past couple is directing it. It's his first time directing, mm. which fine. Uh, and most of the cast is coming back, you know, Jennifer Lawrence and, you know, all the dudes. Yeah, of course, because we need to have another scene where Magneto is a bad guy, but then we convince him to be a good guy. And then he turns into a bad guy again. Yep. And then he turns into a good guy again. And then he says, bye, I'm never coming back. Except he does. We need to do uh, but they're saying that Jessica Chastain will play Empress Leonra of the Shi'ar, which are the sort of, uh, they have some tie to the origin of the Phoenix or something with the Phoenix. I didn't read those comics because I was no four. They're, they're the, they're the outer space race of sexy aliens in the nineties X-Men comics. <laughs> That's what they are. And they never made a lick of sense to me and uh, whatever this, this movie's just going to be so dumb. Yep. Yep. <laughs> But they're 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 going they're doing it. So I guess I probably won't go see it because I still haven't seen Apocalypse, and I don't I don't really don't. care at all. <laughs> nope, nope. Uh, Logan was the last X Men movie anyone needs to see. I think you're right about that. I was making a list of you know great, good, meh, and shitty X Men movies, and I'm like, overall their track record is not particularly great. Well, yeah, and now that Logan is out there, like, because everyone used to talk about, like, X2, really good. But now, like, now that Logan's out, it's like, oh, I don't I don't know if I can put X2 in the same bracket that I put Logan in. Yeah, yeah. And if you include Deadpool, I mean, some people. Yeah, that's true. But anyway, on to more comic book stuff. Wonder Woman is just crushing it. Yeah. Uh, they uh, They broke a record for their second weekend, which is the... I mean, this is kind of a narrow record, kind of a lot of, you know, qualifications here, but it's the, let me try to get this right. It is the smallest drop percentage-wise from uh, first weekend box office to second. So that means that it had some of the best, like, second weekend performance of any 
uh, modern superhero movie. That's the other qualification, that that's the smallest drop of any modern superhero movie. So this is so far an incredibly successful movie. Yeah, and it was already a high amount opening weekend to begin with. And yes. I have to assume since it says, you know, lowest second weekend drop of any modern superhero movie, that it must be probably up there for most movies because modern superhero movies are the ones that are making all the money. <laughs> yeah. So... So we will see what lessons DC and the larger kind of comic book movie industry takes away from this. Yeah, hopefully it's good ones and not dumb ones. <laughs> but I don't have faith. Uh, and I guess uh, the sad last. Well, let's well, let's 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 hold that for just a second. Um, just read today. Have you seen John Wick? I've seen the first one. I've not seen the second one. Okay, cool. So then we're on the same page. I haven't seen the second one yet either. But apparently they are working on developing a spinoff TV show that called The Continental, which is based on kind of that world of assassins that we kind of glimpse mm -hmm. in John Wick. And The Continental, I guess, is the kind of the chain of hotels that they all stay at and, you know, be assassiny at. So I'm not sure where I stand on this because on one hand, that seems like that's a great spinoff because I feel like there's so many cool stories you could tell in that weird world, you know, that weird kind of assassin fantasy world that they've built. Um, but I also worry that this is one of those things where like maybe that assassin world is really cool because it's mysterious and weird and they pay each other in these weird gold coins and they've got all these strange specific rules and rituals. And maybe that's better if I don't know how all those dots connect, right? Yeah, I mean, but honestly, if they can get Ian McShane to be like one of the main characters in it, I'm all in because- And why aren't you watching American Gods? I, I'm going to, I promise. It's coming. He's he plays Odin. How are you not watching a show where Ian McShane is Odin? Spoiler alert for the first twenty seconds of the show. <laughs> no, I I am. It's on my long. It's it's at the top of my list of things to watch, uh, and I I am actually a you know emotionally distraught with myself that I am not watching it and can't comment on it at this point. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, so we do have, you know, and it's not like we have this news. You've heard this by now. No, uh, we, we're, we're breaking news. it. We're breaking it. Yeah. Uh, Adam West passed away um, last, earlier this week. Uh, uh, of course, the, you know, the, the 1960s Batman, the first, uh, you know, a kind of real Batman on film. Uh, and I think that that kind of caught a lot of us by surprise that we didn't realize yeah. maybe the feelings we had for Adam West. I mean, I grew up, my dad was a big fan of the 60s Batman show. So, you know, um, he always said, ah, oh, that's the real Batman. <laughs> um, once the, you know, once the Tim Burton movies started coming out and, you know, all the other ones, my dad would always say, oh, it's no Adam West. Um, and, you know, I grew up watching tapes of the TV show, you know, you, like me or a friend would have like just like one or two episodes on a VHS that was clearly taped off of syndication some night. And, uh, um, yeah, I think that that was a, a soft spot that we didn't know we had. I mean, I, I've never watched any of the old show because I'm a terrible person. Uh, but I know what's, what's been so interesting is it's sort of really unfortunate timing. I mean, obviously, because he died and that's terrible for anything, but for he had there's been this resurgence in interest in that era of Batman, probably because other Batman's been so dark and gloomy, but you know, they had that that animated movie they put out and like mm -hmm. there's been a whole comic run that's used him and all the characters from it. And also like that wonder woman show from the seventies. 
uh yeah you know and they put them in like the same universe and like it's just like a this huge resurgence of this interest in like the 60s 70s dc tv stuff and i just think it's it's pretty cool uh yeah and and it's good that you mentioned that the the movie that they the animated movie was uh the return of the cape crusaders came out last end of last year um and it featured adam west as the voice and burt ward as the voice of robin and a couple of the of the other actors from the original show and just today it was announced that so he they were working on another one uh which would be batman versus two-face and with william shatner playing two-face which is great because that's exactly who would have played two-face if they'd ever had two-face on the 60s show but um they announced today that Adam West had finished his vocal work for that and they are going to complete it and release it. Um, so we will get, you know, we will get one more uh, kind of run with uh, Adam West as Batman. So that's, uh, that's good news. Yeah. And um, uh, Jim Chipman, who's on uh, YouTube as Movie Bob, Movie Bob Jim, I don't know. But um, he did a, uh, posted a little video um kind of situating the 60s Batman in a historical context and really talking about how, you know, that that Batman has gotten a really bad rap lately, in part because of, you know, the grim and gritty Batman that we've all come to know. But also he says, because a lot of us, we really only ever saw the movie, which was kind of a weird example the, of, of the TV show. And he goes on to talk about that, you know, when you look at that Batman versus the other shows that were on at the time, it, yes, it was deliberately campy and weird, but it was also kind of had a lot to say socially and that Batman was kind of almost a counterpoint or a rejection of some of the other kind of really kind of patriarchal uh, law and order cop shows. I say law and order cop shows, not law and order. I mean like Dragnet um, mm -hmm. and those those sorts of shows at the time. Um and that Batman was actually really progressive and um, was kind of this counterculture force at the time, despite kind of having this reputation as this really goofy, out-of-touch thing. But, um, you know, it, it, and it's a great little tribute to Adam West. We'll link it in the show notes, but it's uh, it's definitely worth a watch. I'll have to watch that then. That sounds interesting. All right. So I think that'll do it for news. Let's take a quick break. And then uh, I think we've got a we've got a fun little activity coming up. An activity, indeed. So, a coworker of mine came up to me and said, I have an idea for your podcast. I'm not even sure he's listened to any of the podcasts, to be honest. <laughs> but he knows that I have one and what I talk about. And he is, you know, interested in some of these things. And he's also a very big, he's trying to convince me to watch Venture Brothers. Uh, yes, which I've watched some of should. back in the day, but I, you know, I want to watch all of it. Uh, it gets better. First season's a little rough, but um, and he said, "You guys should talk about uh, who would you want to be a henchman for." And I was ins instantly, I was like, "That's a great, that's a great idea." <laughs> but I feel like we, as us, we need to just be a little clear here and say, "What qualifies as a henchman?" That's a good question. Or, so, or, or as you put it, for whom, for whom would you hench? <laughs> Well, come on! I'm not going to have dangling participles here, man. Yeah. Come on, we're on the air. This is this is a this is a document. For whom would you hench? So, when I think of henchmen, I think of them in the. All right, so I guess I separate things out by goons and henchmen. Ooh, okay. So, 
So a goon is kind of the endless cannon fodder that work for a villain, right? All of the little guys that James Bond has to shoot before he gets to the big bad, right? Those are goons. A henchman is something else. And the Ventures brother, Venture Brothers definition, henchman is really just employee of a villain. But I think of henchman more as really like kind of evil sidekick. Like the henchman usually – like a, a Bond henchman is like odd job or um, – Jaws, like they've got some kind of special power and they're kind of a mini boss to the big boss. So that's how I define henchmen as opposed to just some little cog in the organization who basically exists to like drive the little monorail around your hollowed out volcano lair. (laughs) I I sort of took a broader – I sort of have a broader definition. I would actually probably include – I think you're – I think that's a fair definition. In my mind, I was thinking anyone beneath the big guy. But uh, and there's this varying levels of henchmen. But I, I think that your definition makes a lot of sense, and I like just using the word goon. <laughs> yeah, I don't get enough op- don't get enough opportunities in my day to day to use the word goon. <laughs> Speaking of which, plug the comic "The Goon" by Eric Powell. Go read that book. I've heard it's good. Uh, so I thought a little bit, and you know, I probably could have gone down a big rabbit hole of drafting a big document about everything I thought, but I just tried to go with my gut, and I went with. Dr. Doom. <laughs> you would hench for Dr. Doom. I would hench for Dr. Doom. Uh, here's a couple of reasons why. First off, he's not just an evil dude. He's also king of a nation. Fair. A nation that uh, he is originally from and is sort of a, if the gypsies, you know, Roma people had a, a land of their own. Uh, so it's it's kind of like you know it's kind of analogous with like Palestine a little bit. I mean maybe not that, that's that's a bold claim, but uh, <laughs> but it's also kind of Eastern European. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's a fictional Latveria. You know, is is his is his kingdom, and it's this sort of like small and maybe somewhere between the Baltic and Poland kind of area, fictional place in the Marvel universe. So I think having your own country is pretty cool. There's a lot of work to be done, right? Like administrative <laughs> work, and I feel like I'm good at that. Also, the thing that I love about Doctor Doom that first drew me to it was he doesn't really use his henchmen as fighters. Like, there's very like Doctor Doom doesn't have a group of guys because he's Doom. He doesn't need a group of guys. He's the best at everything. He's the best sorcerer, the smartest guy in the world. He's got a big ego. That's why he loses. But he knows everything about technology, and he travels the planes and fights gods. So, so you're convinced that if you went to work for Doctor Doom. You'd be pretty safe from, like, getting your skull smashed in by the thing. Right, yeah. Uh, And because, you know, whenever he has to have an army or send in some guys or make some ploy, he uses Doombots. I mean, we've seen Dr. Doom die a hundred million times, but it's always like, ah, it's just a Doombot. Gotcha, man. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So I'd probably just be, like, an administrator who has a desk job. And I love having a desk job. (laughs) It's kind of what you have now. Yeah. It's what we both have now. (laughs) Uh, Also, speaking of who he fights... Um, his, so this is, this is a, this is a double-edged sword here because Doom is Doom. I mean, he's his own, he's in his own category of alignment. I mean, he, I mean, he's, I mean, he's lawful evil, but like he, he fights good guys most of the time, but he also fights bad guys a lot of the time too. So the plus side is that when he fights good guys, especially the good guys he fights, the Fantastic Four, the most wholesome team of the bunch, if you will, like, (laughs) you know, he doesn't really fight the X-Men that often. Like Wolverine's not going to come, you know, disembowel me. Uh, you know, he doesn't fight the Avengers that often. I'm not going to get cleaved in the head with a hammer by Thor. I'm going to yeah, get the worst. 
the worst that's going to happen is Reed Richards is going to give you a stern lecture. Right, exactly. Like, they're not going to Or kill you me. might get burned alive. Or I could get burned alive. That doesn't usually happen. This is the fire. That, it's, it's the kind of TV fire that bounces off when you go, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm not probably going to die, which I think is for me a top <laughs> a top tier, like, concern. However, there are, have been a lot of times when Doom's pissed off a rival evil person, like, you know, the devil or... Uh, you know, Morgan Le Fay and people like that, which are pretty scary people. So that's a little bit, ter- and, and, you know, Leverry's got leveled a few times. So like, that's, a, that's a big concern. Um, but some other pros. Doomstadt is the perfect name for a city. I would love Doomstadt. Exactly. I would love to put that as my address. Like, oh. Sounds, sounds like a Rammstein song. Like when I'm calling up like the credit card company, they can 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 you like confirm your address for me? I'm like, yeah, like three two one Doom Street, Doomstadt, and there's like, oh, okay, that just I just that just has a massive appeal to me. Uh, but let's get a little more serious here. Well, Doctor Doom, if you're gonna pursue a monarchy, it's been shown a couple times in the comics that like this guy might be the one to do it. Like, yeah, he's brutal. Yeah, he you know has done some pretty evil stuff. But usually it's for like – it's a heat. I mean when you talk about good villains, he is the hero of his story and he really thinks that the only way to save the world from any potential c- catastrophe is to have him in charge. And I'm willing to double down on that. <laughs> also, Dr. Doom, a really good dad because for a while he adopts uh, Valeria who is the son of Sue and Reed Richards. Is her name right? Valeria? Yeah. Daughter of... Daughter. I said son. Not that one. We're not talking about him. He's crazy. Uh, he deserves everything he gets to him. He's a monster. But he like takes really good care of her, and she's an awesome girl because she... Dr. Doom is essentially her dad. I mean, he, he they named her for Dr. Doom's mother. Like, he, how many villains get that? How many villains, heroes, nemeses, name their kids after their mother? And it's not Martha. <laughs> Why did you say that name? <laughs> also... He's he wins a lot. I mean, there's there's been a lot of times <laughs> Doctor Doom wins. I mean, he had full control of the world via an enslaved Purple Man, and he got bored because he didn't earn it. Also, another important scene is he's in to reference earlier episode. He goes to Wakanda to steal some vibranium, and he has to uh, kind of have a a mental fight with like the Panther God thing that gives the Black Panthers their power. Of course. Of course, as comics, as, as, as it would be. Uh, and basically, the Panther thing sees into your soul and says, are you evil? You know, what, what are your motivations? And it looked at Dr. Doom and it said, you, be- you truly believe that what you're doing is the best thing for humanity and lets him take the vibranium. So, I mean, gets the endorsement of Black Panther God. What else do you want? <laughs> uh, another Pretty sure he lifts the hammer of Thor at one point, he, doesn't he? He does to escape hell i think uh which he goes to to try and save his mother's soul uh he also more recently uh you know got the infinity gauntlet and then also got the powers of the beyonder and made the secret wars event happen where he restructured the whole universe and became a god uh so that's pretty cool um didn't and currently he's iron man didn't you know (laughs) i'd forgotten that yeah uh and he's not all scarred up anymore but i mean that's the other thing is what a cool looking guy, right? Like you, you see him yeah. come down the street, got a sweet flag, got a bunch of doom bots around him. He inspires loyalty. So, I mean, yeah, that armor's got to stink though. Yeah, it's got to. But you know, the thing is, 
you never know. It's, well, that's actually probably a dead giveaway for if it's a Doom bot or not. You know, like, does it smell? Yeah, it doesn't smell like a dude who's been in a tin can for years. <laughs> um, and the, the, the negative side, he's a little oppressive. You know, some people say he might be keeping Latveri in a permanent state of, like, a medieval feudal society. But you know what? They say that, you know, the, a lot of people look at the past with fond memories, so... You'd be willing to give it a shot. Yeah, I'd be willing to give it a shot. I mean, I, I love medieval history. That's what I, what I studied in school. So, of course, I'd want to live there. Plus, plus, Doomstadt. <laughs> Doomstadt. So, that's my pitch. That's that's my All choice. Right. Dr. Doom. So, you picked your uh, fictional evil boss based on somebody you think is awesome and would be a great boss. I picked mine based on somebody who I think uh, – is really, really bad at their job uh, because I have a plan. Um, like any good evil henchman, I have a scheme. So I would like to hench for uh, Emperor Palpatine. And because that means I'd essentially be Darth Vader because he has one henchman and that's, you know, was Darth Maul. And then uh, I guess Count Dooku for a minute and and then Darth Vader. Um now, I know that you're thinking that in order to become uh, the henchman for um, Emperor Palpatine, I'd have to turn evil. I'm not so sure that's true, <laughs> because when uh, when Anakin becomes Darth Vader, um, becoming Darth Vader didn't turn him into an asshole. He was already an asshole by the time he like got the job, right? Um and before he started using the dark side of the force, like that doesn't turn you evil. Um, and even he even offered the job to, to Luke, uh, there in, in return of the Jedi and Luke wasn't evil and Luke didn't use the dark side. So those aren't necessarily prerequisites to the job. And even if it does mean, you know, like come over to the dark side, use the dark side of the force. That seems like just kind of a semantic thing, man, because, we never really see what the dark side can do that the light side can't. I mean, other than the, the lightning that Palpatine shoots, but we never see Darth Vader do that. So maybe that's just some wizard power that Emperor Palpatine happens to have, have nothing to do with the dark side of the force. Yeah, Darth Vader can like choke people uh, from far away, but Luke can pull a lightsaber to his hand from out of the snow. Yoda can lift an X-wing out of the swamp. How is that any different from choking a person? Like it's clearly the same, you know, physics manipulation. Um so the power sets are the same. So coming over to the dark side of the force just seems like a thing like, yeah, sure, I'm on the dark side. Yep, got it. Yep. It's kind of like being a Republican or a Democrat. Like it's a, a registration you do. So <laughs> so I think it established that if I go to work for Emperor Palpatine, I don't have to like come to the job already as an evil monster. I could probably pretend because it kind of seems like that's what Darth Vader was doing. Yeah, maybe half-assing it. Um, so what do you get? What are the perks of the job? First of all, red lightsaber, the best kind of lightsaber. Uh, secondly, um, a super cool black outfit, which usually involves a cape. Um, and apparently you have some latitude of what you want. You know, Darth Maul, Count Dooku, Darth Vader, they all wore slightly different outfits, all pretty dark and vampirish, but you know, uh, it's not like it's a uniform, uh, more like uh, a dress code. And you know, I, I can look good in black. Um, you also get access to the very best healthcare in the galaxy, uh, enough to say rebuild most of your body after you get a dumb laser fight on a lava planet with your buddy, um, free, no charge. Um, you get he'll just let you build like creepy vampire castles on lava planets. 
I don't think Darth Vader submitted a receipt for that castle that we saw him in in Rogue One. Um, you get your own uh, executor class superstar destroyer uh, and access to what appears to be the entire Imperial Armada with no oversight from the Emperor. Like it kind of seems like Darth Vader does all of the kind of day to day of what the you know what the Empire is actually going to do, where they're going to go, what's going to happen. He just kind of checks in with the Emperor. So and also like. I think Dooku like set up an entire planet to build him a clone army. Didn't seem like he checked in with his boss about that. Like, it just seems like you've got a lot of autonomy as a dark Lord of the Sith is what I'm saying. You really get, uh, you kind of get to call your own shots. Emperor Palpatine does not seem like a micromanager. And not only is he not a micromanager, I also think he is a terrible, terrible administrator. So one of the first things he had, uh, Darth Vader do, um, as we saw in the uh, the prequel movies, was basically go and hunt down and kill all the other Jedi, which Darth Vader did, except for one. He kind of let Obi-Wan go, right? And Emperor Palpatine doesn't seem all that concerned about this, almost like maybe he didn't bother to check in with Vader, like, hey, did you kill all those Jedi? Oh, yeah, I totally did. You know, what about like your old friend? Did you Did you get him? Did you get Obi-Wan? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Um, and also, did you get Obi-Wan? Um, no, I couldn't find a boss. I don't know. I don't know. He's a wily guy. Where did he go? Hey, did you uh, did you maybe think to check, like, uh, you know, your old home planet where, uh, you know, where Obi-Wan's cousin lives? You know, maybe maybe that might be a good place to start. You know, just go see if he's there. I mean, he's probably an old man by now. You could probably take him out. Don't worry about it, boss. It's fine. Hey, Darth, also, what about, like, your, like, crazy Force-sensitive kids? Should we maybe look for those people? No, no, no. Don't worry about it. They're fine. Forget all about my crazy kids who are probably going to become powerful enough to rule the galaxy someday, maybe overthrow you. Don't worry about them. You know, I know that we were going to exterminate all the Jedi, but maybe having one and a half left is fine. Um, And they're probably on the exact same planet where I grew up like 10 miles away from where I used to have pod races. Um, but the emperor is just fine with this fine with it. That Darth Vader just doesn't give a shit about wiping out the remaining Jedi, especially the most dangerous ones. The one that probably has a grudge against him, that his own children who are going to be super force strong doesn't care. So I'm saying he's, he's, he's really bad. And so what I could do if I was his, uh, you know, uh, hench, is I'm basically just running the whole show. He's just a figurehead. He has no idea what's going on. He's playing Candy Crush all day. He's on Twitter most of the time and watching Fox and Friends. Nothing's getting done. So uh, so the first thing I would do is I would set up a, uh, a literacy program. Because as we established back in episode five, uh, nobody in this galaxy knows how to read. So first I'm going to start educating everybody. And I'm going to start terraforming these shit planets like Tatooine and Jakku. Because when everybody's busy, like, running moisture farms, like, that's not good for the galaxy. But it's also not good for me. Because what I'm doing is I'm elevating these people, bringing them up, and I'm bringing them to my side. I brought water to your planet. Rather than strip mine it for, like, crystals, I guess, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this place a good place to live. So you're going to be healthy and educated when you join the uh, – when you join the empire, which is no longer this oppressive regime, but actually a force for good in the universe. Um, because Pal- Palps doesn't seem to have a plan for what the empire does. We just kind of float around in space and like act spooky. I don't think he's all that checked in. Um, 
So, and also, I mean, let's be honest, Emperor Palpatine doesn't really give a shit about his own safety. Um, this is a, a million year old space vampire who puts his throne room over a narrow catwalk above the fucking reactor core for his moon sized nuclear weapon. It's just a railing separating him and a like miles long fall to certain death. And also not just there, but right behind him is like a, a, just a glass window into the endless void of space. What I'm saying is Emperor Palpatine is super easy to kill. So once I have my legion of educated and healthy stormtroopers, because I, you know, taught them to read and terraformed their homeworlds um, and brought prosperity to them and their families. Uh, yeah, he might be able to zap me with his lightning. But as we saw in Jedi, that just kind of sucks. Like he never killed anybody with it. <laughs> he just kind of made Luke and Vader really uncomfortable for a minute. But Vader still had the strength to, again, throw him in the reactor core. So I'm not really worried about the Force Lightning. But even if he wanted to use his Force Lightning on me, I've got my legion of educated and uh, healthy stormtroopers to just shoot him full of red lasers. Uh, so we're going to do our space mutiny. And then, uh, and then I'm going to be emperor. And... I'm going to continue my project of elevating the citizens of the galaxy. I'm going to make peace with the Rebel Alliance. I'm going to expand that literacy program to everybody, teach everybody to read and write. You know, maybe get this, uh, get us out of the kind of weird dark ages that we're in. Um, and all the while, I get to dress like a cool space Dracula, which checks a couple boxes for me. <laughs> I would be Darth Park, benevolent Dark Lord of the Sith. And also, I would not train some other, like, weird, dark side kid to be my apprentice. You're asking for trouble, dude. Don't do that. Just don't have any apprentices. Um, because it kind of, it's kind of probably a little helpful to have kind of a monopoly on the force powers rather than train some other ambitious little hateful twit uh, to, <laughs> to maybe one day do another space mutiny on you don't know just seems like a bad system so that's my that's my pitch i would um i would be emperor palpatine's uh henchman for like a minute before i overthrew him <laughs> and ruled the galaxy hmm. but not not just for my own gain i would i would like be helpful to people i'd be pretty happy with just you know the star destroyer and the the uh sweet threads i guess i'll let it slide <laughs> i feel like that's cheating to be like, oh, I'll be this guy, so I can be in charge. Like, well, no, no, that's not the point of the no, no, Well, but look, all I'm saying is that uh, this is how the henchman thing works. I mean, come on, you've seen movies. I mean, a henchman is going to do one of two things, either get killed by the hero or betray the villain. <laughs> so I'm just going with one of the two ways that th this can go. Not if, not if your leader inspire, inspires true loyalty like Dr. Doom. Well... <laughs> Look, you know, that's what I'm saying. I would be that. See, that's the thing is then I would be space Dr. Doom with a red lightsaber uh, Ooh, I and I would inspire it. loyalty. But the thing is, is that like, but also, I mean, that's been the, the trend of all like assistance to the Dark Lord of the Sith is that eventually you kill the current Dark Lord of the Sith and become Dark Lord of the Sith. That's how Palpatine got the job. And I'm sure that's how his predecessor got the job. I'm just doing what was prescribed for me. It's the proper is, HR model. I mean, it's the career path. It, I'm Yes, I checked in with HR. This is I'm ready for this promotion, which means I need to like push you off of this rickety catwalk <laughs> into the into the reactor core. When uh when things get weird in the later like old Star Wars expanded universe, uh during when uh you know there's no relation I'm sure, but when Han and Leia's son falls to the dark side, 
<laughs> for those of you listening, he just made a really weird eye rolly face. Uh, I, I, you know, but anyway, we have to throw it all out because we can't have it be the same. No, no, but we're going to have the sun fall. Okay. But anyway, anyway, I'm, I'm getting off track, but when Jason solo is falling to the dark side, the person who is pulling him to the dark side is kind of giving him all the Sith lore and about all these different Sith Lords who lived throughout generations and how one of them was not really that bad of a guy. Uh, and was basically like a, a business, like an altruistic businessman who like lived in an asteroid and just like probably didn't kill anybody. Like I think she said he didn't have a lightsaber and just like helped people. And then like eventually his Sith apprentice killed him or something. But like I was like, it kind of sounds like you're describing a little bit. Yeah. So like maybe just like an, like instead of like a like a full on like space robot wizard getup, it was maybe more just like a nice black Brioni suit. Well, I mean, I feel like Count Dooku's dressed pretty nice. You know, yeah, I, mean, I mean, I can see you like wearing a, that get up. If you like a like a black turtleneck and a weird crimson doublet, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can see you in a cape. You 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 own a cape, yeah. don't you? Let's be honest. Uh, I do not own a cape. Ah, shit. I was hoping I caught you. Uh, but all right, I, I I see I see how it could work. Uh, I have a few a few quibbles. I think I think <laughs> Palpatine is a little more uh, savvy than you give him credit for. Is but... he? Is he? Uh, but you know, I think that, I think that he, he would see you coming a mile away. He didn't see Darth Vader coming a mile away. He didn't see Luke Skywalker coming a mile away. And those dudes didn't make a lot of good decisions. This is true. This is true. Uh, but I think that, uh, yeah, I, 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 I could see you pulling this off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> Is there any other nonsense we want to cover before we uh, before we call it a night? I don't think so, but I would like to uh, hear what our listeners, what listeners, who whom our listeners would like to hench. No, I messed what? that up. For, for, who <laughs> for whom our listeners, our listeners would like to hench. Yes, yes, thank you. Uh, proper English is not meant to be spoken. Well, look, I, you're, you don't become emperor of the galaxy getting your grammar wrong. This is probably true. He says, dropping his G on getting, getting, yeah, uh, just a, get some real weird slang, and then like you start making it like a thing, and then people have to follow suit because you're the emperor, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, all right, well, let us know in the in the Reddit or the Facebook who for whom you would like to hench. <laughs> all right, buddy. See you next week. See you next week. <laughs>